listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We hope and pray the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. As well. So take your Bibles, please. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to turn a little bit here this morning. Genesis 3. Thank you for being here. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully you have something enjoyable planned. Uh, maybe even this afternoon and into uh, tomorrow as we, uh, as we remember uh, those that have fallen. I'll say a few uh, more words at, at 11 o'clock, and we have a, just a special, just short tribute video as well. But we've been in a series on lies that are shaping our world, lies that have been shaping our world. I've also enjoyed uh, then digging deeper on Wednesday nights at our home group into these and just kind of uh, fleshing some things out, and uh, we this past week we looked at that life is just simply a roll of the dice, and as I was teaching it, I could kind of sense there's this uh, there's this kind of idea of, well, what about all the suffering, what about the hardships, what about where I was born, how I was born, and some wonderful testimonies were shared on, on Wednesday night in the home, and uh, it, it was just great and just good good discussion uh, to, to have. And so that led me um, kind of off to my script, but to, to deal with another lie. And I worked on this this week, and I, my, my prayer is that it will be a blessing to you. And here's what lie number three will be today, and we will talk about it again on Wednesday night. And here's what it is. God cannot be real and good because he allows so much suffering. God cannot be good because he allows so much suffering in the world. God cannot be real if he allows the amount of suffering uh, in the world. Would you agree that that's kind of a voice in our world uh, today that's shaping our world? God's not good. God doesn't care. God's not love. Is God even there? Look at all the suffering. Look at what's going on in my life and in life around the world. And uh, just uh, tornadoes, right? We've had a couple tornadoes in the last... Uh, seven days just here in our country, just uh, things like that. So the Bible tells us in Revelation 21 that there is coming a time when all sorrow, tears, pain, and death is going to pass away. And praise God for that. Okay, uh, Revelation 21 verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So there's coming a day for the believer... That the sorrow and the pain and the difficulty is going to pass away. Amen? That's pretty exciting to me. Anybody come in here, got some aches and pains? Those things will go away. The sorrow, the, the things that, uh, that maybe you long for in this life that it hasn't happened yet, those types of things, all of that is going to be met in Christ and in heaven. However, the present time, where you and I live, we must face the undeniable fact that people do suffer. That is a fact of life. You do find sickness. You do find sorrow. You do find suffering in all walks of life. It's really everywhere you look. And to be honest with you, it's probably not any more... Um, it's just more visible now than it's ever been before. The suffering of this world has been... At its like threshold, it's always been like this. But you and I 
we we see it so more now because of social media, because of the 24-hour news cycle. We see the suffering uh, that is so radical all over the place. And so this very moment, you can probably think of someone very close to you, or maybe even yourself, that's suffering greatly, right? And it's not, it doesn't seem too far from you. So questions that we often ask ourselves. Well, why does God allow it to happen? God's all-powerful, right, Ryan? Well, why, why does He allow the suffering? Why does He allow the carnage? Why does He allow people groups and to be suppressed? Why does God allow there to be um, radical individuals that will kill Christians? Why does He allow the suffering of a, um, a, a, of a death that would be deemed early? Do you realize that death in and of itself is sorrow and suffering? Because it wasn't intended to be that way. But we would deem as a long life to be whatever you would say. So anything short of that, that's suffering. Maybe it's a baby. Maybe it's even prior to birth, those different types of things. So why does God allow it to happen? We ask that question. We might ask the question, does God even care? Or the question, if God is so good and holy, why does he not put an end to all the pain? Why does he put an end to all the suffering? Now here's what. I can't answer those questions except for, does God care? Yes, he cares. I can answer that. But the other ones, I'll be honest with you, I can't fully answer those. I thought much about them this week. I knew that it was kind of being st- brought, brought up in my heart. Even some of the stories that were shared on Wednesday night at our home about how some people, they, they didn't grow up with a mom and dad. They grew up with grandparents. And all, I mean, just I, I don't know the answers to some of the questions that are being posed. But I do know that there's a lie that is shaping, that is literally shaping our world, and it's a lie that if God is real, and if God was good, he would, he would remove it all. But I want to I just kind of take a step back. Let's start with the beginning of suffering. Let's start with the beginning of sorrow. There was a time on earth when suffering and sorrow did not exist. When God first created man upon the earth, everything was perfect. There was no sickness. There was no pain. There was no sorrow of any kind. It was God's plan for man to live in peace, for man to live in harmony. Man, that's not what we see in our world today, but that's what the intention uh, of his creation was, for you to never really experience the sorrow in which you and I do now. But according to Genesis 3, it wasn't until man chose the way of Satan, right? Over the way of God. And that sorrow entered into the world. Look at verse number 6 of Genesis chapter number 3. Obviously, Satan comes along, tempts God. God said, I don't want you to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of any tree of the garden, but there's one in the midst there. Well, then Satan comes along and he tricks Eve and says, ah, you know, has God really said this? Verse 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And so God reveals to Adam and Eve, later in that chapter, the consequences of that decision. God told them in chapter number 2, verses 14 and 15, I believe, it is, hey, you're going to surely die if you eat of this fruit or of this tree. They eat of this tree. Their eyes are indeed opened. But look how God also gives some consequences. Look at verse number 16 of Genesis 3. 
Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. God told Adam and Eve that they were now going to experience sorrow. God told Adam and Eve now they were going to experience death. He had prophesied of it. He had commanded them, hey, you do this, you're going to experience Well, now, now he's, now he's promising it to them. So let me say this. The suffering and sorrow that you and I face today is not, is not the work of an unjust God. It's not the work of an unjust God. It is the consequences of sin. We suffer because we're sinners. For the wages of sin is, who knows the rest? Death, right? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God for that. Praise God for Jesus. But the wages of sin, because we've sinned, the consequences of sin is now death. And with death comes all kinds of suffering. Right? All kinds of hardships. You might say, well, I never really did anything wrong. Well, we, we, we really have done a lot wrong. But Paul even tells us in Romans 5.12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, that would be Adam, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Okay, we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And so why do we suffer? First of all, we suffer because of our sinful nature. Again, I'm not going to be able to fully answer the question that maybe you might have, but I'm just going to try to maybe put some, uh, put some pegs on the board to try to just help us. So that's the beginning of it. The beginning is not an unjust God saying, <clears throat> I want you to be miserable. No, actually, we chose that. We chose sin. God said, "This is going to be the, <clears throat> excuse me, this is going to be the ramifications if you decide that you don't want to eat of the. Let me just, of the thousands of trees here, and you want to eat of the one. If you want to eat the one that you're forbidden from, this is going to be the consequences of it. Okay, let me tell you number two. As I was pondering this idea that is shaping our world of God can't be real, God can't be good because of all the suffering. Number two, some people suffer." For the salvation of the lost. Some people suffer for the salvation of the lost. Some might ask, well, what's the point? What does God accomplish by allowing us to suffer? Can I boil it down to something that's very simple? He's trying to tell us something. God is trying to tell us that there's something wrong. There's something wrong. He's communicating to you and He's communicating to me through, through suffering, through the brokenness of the world that, that, that something is wrong. If everything were all right between man and God, there would be no sorrow and death because in the beginning, that was the case. When there was nothing between us and our Savior, right? We sing that song. When there was nothing between God and His creation, everything was fine. But then sin enters into the world, right? Separation from God. We are now alienated from God. We now have an, a problem with God. And so suffering 
lets you and I know on its basis of forms that something's wrong, that, 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 that something isn't <clears throat> right. And he's showing us every day of our life that man has been separated from him because of his sin. Now listen to me, God does not enjoy seeing anyone suffer. He just allows people to suffer for various reasons. I'm going to get into some of those here in a moment. If someone has never received the Lord as their Savior, then God wants them to see their need to do so. And sometimes God has to allow tragedy to enter a life in order to get someone to look for Him for salvation. Someone has said this, some people won't look up to God until He puts them on their back. Sometimes we're just such in our arrogance, we're such in our pride. There is no God, there's none of this. But then what does God allow? God allows a little bit of touch of pain or a touch of suffering. And then it's like, whoa, I mean, everyone all of a sudden becomes, they start praying. Praying to who? Well, ultimately we know, you know, the the God of the universe, but they don't necessarily know that. This is sad, but it's true. There are many people who would still be lost in their sins if God had not brought some tragedy into their life to get their attention. Do you remember when Andrew went through the book of Daniel? And uh, do you remember uh, King Nebuchadnezzar? I loved how you brought us through his, through his thought process. But ultimately, what did God do? God sent him to literally live like an animal on the ground. And then he comes back, and I would definitely be in agreement with Andrew. I believe there's evidence there in Scripture that he then became a God-fearing man. He became a believer. And so God used that, the, the, that suffering. I mean, can you imagine for seven years, you know, just living like an animal? Why? Because God was trying to show him that things aren't right. You've sinned against me. There's, there's, there's a problem here between you and I. How about Naaman, the Syrian captain who had leprosy in 2 Kings chapter number 5? Right? God says, no, no, you, 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 you've got an issue here. And that issue ultimately uh, gets him to, uh, to, 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 to trust Jesus Christ. And so the Bible is filled with cases where God reaches people through suffering. Let me ask you a question. I don't know the full answer to this, but do you think the leper of Matthew 8 would have, would have come to Jesus if he had been in perfect health? Here's what he says in Matthew 8 too. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. How about the blind man in Luke 18? And it came to pass that as he was come nigh to Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging, and ultimately he is healed. Sometimes God will even use the tragedy of one to bring others to Christ. Turn to John 11, please. John chapter number 11. Lazarus and John 11. Lazarus was very sick. But before Lazarus ever died, Jesus said that his sickness was going to be for the glory of God. Look at verse number 2 of John chapter number 11. Chapter, verse 2, John 11. It was that Mary, which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Jump down to verse number 45. He's now 
been uh, resurrected. And it says that many of the Jews, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, what? Believed on him. Turn to chapter 12, verse number 11. Obviously, I can't go through that entire chapter. We'll, we'll, we'll be here all morning. So just allow me to kind of just breathe over it quickly. Chapter 12, verse number 11. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. And so had Lazarus not suffered, had he not died, those people may not. I don't know, but they may not have known the Lord. But God was in complete control. Jesus knew that Lazarus was sick, but He chose not to go. And He chose not to heal him. Are you okay with this verse? Look, if you turn back to chapter 11, verse number 6. When He heard, therefore, that He was sick, He abode two days still in the same place where He was. What? I mean, God, right? You can, you, honestly, you can ask these human questions. God, if you really cared, Jesus, if you really cared, why'd you, why'd you delay these two days? Why did you allow this? Well, ultimately, he said it wasn't sick unto death, and we know what Jesus meant by that. He was going to raise him from the dead. What a picture that is. But ultimately, Jesus delayed, so to speak. Can I put it this way? He allowed much more suffering to happen They weren't grieving his death at the time when they came to Jesus. They were just scared. He was sick and he could die. And then he did, in their eyes, die. He was dead for three days. And so, why would he do that? Well, the the reason, and he had some reason, and no one suffers in vain. God always has a reason, and sometimes he's trying to show someone their need to receive the Lord. So he knew what he was going to do. He was going to be, he was going to glorify God, and then as the Son of God, he was going to be glorified. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead. And then the text tells us that many, many believed, even many, many days after, many people believed. And so sometimes people suffer for the sheer need of their salvation. Okay, are we okay with that? People are broken. We are not right with God. And so God allows suffering to say, hey, something's wrong in this world. So, maybe we could come to salvation. Well, what about, you say, well, what about for the Christian? All right, well, let me give you a third thing here. Some Christians suffer because of the chastisement of God. Some Christians suffer because of the chastisement of God. Would you agree with the statement? As a Christian, it is my duty to live a Christ-honoring and an obedient life before God. Yes or no? For sure. Thank God he lived that for us. Jesus lived that for us. But that doesn't give any less weight to the command that you and I are to live a Christ-honoring and obedient life unto him. So if I become disobedient, if I become non-Christ-honoring with my actions, my my deeds, or my non-actions, then the Bible says that, that, that my Father will rebuke and chasten me. Uh, to chasten means to punish or correct for a moral improvement. Okay, and so Revelation 3, verse 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. It's out, it's out, of, it's out of love that God would say, Hey, hey, you're not, you're not going in the right direction, Ryan, so I'm going gonna, 
I'm going to help you. And by the way, it's for your benefit. It's for your ultimate joy. Man, when people are living in radical sin, they're miserable. They're going from one thing to another, from one just quote-unquote high to another. What I mean by that is just next event or something. Why? Because I want something else. And they're just miserable. And so what God might do for the Christian is to allow some suffering. Now, don't take that to every single time someone suffers or you suffer. It's as if you're doing something wrong. I'll get to that here in a moment. But for some Christians, for some situations, or let me say it this way, for some seasons in our life, it could be God just in a proverbial giving us a kick in the pants. But it's in love. Because He has our best interest in mind. He has our ultimate joy. Ryan, why in the world would a spanking be for our ultimate joy? It is. It, it, it is because we are the happiest when we are living a uh, you know, a Christ-like life when His life is living through us. Hebrews 12, verse number 6, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. If He endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is He whom the Father chasteneth not? But if He be without chastisement, wherefore are all partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Right? You're not believers. God loves us just as any responsible father disciplines his children when they become disobedient. God disciplines his children. My son is six and uh, he's over in Patch Club with the Florendos. But if I just let that little guy, and uh, he's as cute as can be, can he? But he's not always perfect, all right? I, I know you think he is and definitely takes after his father. Um, but, <laughs> just you know, but sometimes, you know, sometimes a little kid can be a rascal, right? You know, some of us adults can be rascals, right? Stop that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, but we can. And so if I were just to let him just go with things, that's what we've got today. We've got a lot of non-parenting parents, and then we have the generation now that has grown up, and they've been given every single thing they ever want. Even when they lose, they get a trophy. All right, I'll get off that soapbox here. Okay? But point is, is that Paul tells us that we are... We're, or, or the author of Hebrews tells us that we're loved, that we're loved when we are chastened. Paul tells us we can avoid God's chastening by judging ourselves or by, in a sense, kind of correcting, our, correcting ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So sad as it may be, many Christians are going through tragedy today because they refuse to walk with the Lord. That's an option. Again, I'm trying to answer the broader question of why does God allow it? I think for some or seasons in our life or moments in our life, I believe sometimes we flat out suffer because I'm doing wrong, because I'm being disobedient, and God's going to allow something. And hey, Ryan, yes, in Christ, we're always right with God. I get that. But practically... You're not obeying practically. You're not shining forth properly. So I'm going to bring in a little bit of trouble or a little bit of suffering so ultimately you can get back in line for your greatest good, for your greatest joy as a Christian, as a follower. Let me give you another reason here. Some Christians suffer simply for the Lord. They just flat out suffer for the Lord. Don't fully understand it, but 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer what? Persecution. 
If you and I were trying to live godly in Christ Jesus, if we're trying to, uh, to live a, a biblical-centered type of life, guess what? The world around us is not going to like that. And they're going to shame. They're going to try to shame you. They're going to try to malign you. They're going to try to do all the things that they did to Jesus, by the way. And sometimes you just doing right, you suffer. You just preaching Christ. Second Timothy two two twelve. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Luke nine twenty three. If any man, Jesus says, well, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There's a lot in that, but some of it will be some similarities to what Jesus was going to go through. There's going to be some suffering. So when a Christian chooses to deny himself and follow Christ, hey, we're going to do what we ought to do. There's going to be some suffering. Jesus suffered for us, and we should count it an honor to suffer for him. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 5, and they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Whose name? It was Jesus' name. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm going to suffer... I'm going to suffer for Jesus' sake. In the Beatitudes of Matthew, it says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets for which were before you. People have always suffered for the name of Christ. It's just part of it. On Wednesday, we talked a little bit about this. We talked about the double standard. I think Dave was sharing an illustration. There's just a double standard in the world in which we live in. We've got to just understand it. It happens. The world is going to allow things to go by, but as soon as you try to say anything, they're going to point it out at you. Hey, take that one up. Just chalk it up for Christ. I'm going to suffer for Christ. I'm going to be maligned for Christ. It doesn't mean that we don't try to clear our name or anything like that. But listen, sometimes it's just because you call yourself a Christian. Peter tells us that we ought to follow the Lord's example. I'm not going to read this. I I want to finish because I want to be able to talk about this on Wednesday night, so I can't turn this into a two-parter. All right, just write down 1 Peter, if you're taking notes, 1 Peter 2, 19 through 20. You and I, we are to suffer like Christ. Not when we suffer because we've... Ah, let me, why don't you turn there, because this is actually a good one. 1 Peter 2. I know they're all good, but just, just 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. Look at verse number 19. But this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when ye are buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Here's what Peter's saying. He's saying, listen, if you're, being, if you're suffering because you're being chastened, you know, he's like, that's on you, man. That's basically what he's saying. But it's when, the other one would be when you're suffering for Christ's sake. So there's, so there's both of these for the Christian. Sometimes you're getting a kick in the pants. Just call it what it is. All right? And then other times you're doing it simply for the glory of God. First Peter 4, verses 12 through 16, literally tells us that we ought to be, this is radical, we ought to be happy when we're suffering for Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to be happy. I know that's hard, okay? but read that text. Some people are going to go through hard times today because they're like Moses. Uh, the author of Hebrews says in, uh, in Hebrews 11, referring to Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God 
than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So sometimes we're like, hey, I'm just going to live for God, and we're going to suffer for that. There's going to be reproach. There's going to be hardships. Count that joy. Count that as go through that patiently. Allow that to mature you. Allow that to, allow that to make you what, what that, that refiner's fire, so to speak. And um, so, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. So suffering will pass because there's going to come a day where there's no more tears, sorrow, suffering. Praise God for that. Let me give you the fifth reason. Wow. Let me give you the fifth reason. Why do we suffer? I don't fully know why, but hopefully some of these are some biblical reasons for you. God teaches us valuable lessons through suffering. Valuable lessons through suffering. Not all suffering is because you're being disobedient. Every single time something happens to you, it's not because you did anything wrong. Because something brutal happens, you don't have to be like, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't go to church enough. I didn't pray. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit puts some things on your heart. And it, listen to them. It's good. But listen, it's not all for that. Sometimes it's simply to teach you a lesson. And there are many very dear Christians who go through great agony every day. And yet they're some of the sweetest people that you know. They're some of the most God-fearing people that you'll ever meet. And so then why does God allow it? Let me give you a reason. Humility. Turn to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. The Apostle Paul did not live in sin that we know of. Now, when he references himself, he's like, sinners of whom I am chief. And so I am in no way saying that Paul was a, Paul was a perfect person. No, I'm not saying that. But we're not really given privy to anything in, in his life. And so... I doubt he lacked faith. I mean, he had some great faith, didn't he? I mean, he, I mean he, he would press on. But he had to suffer. He actually had to suffer a lot. I mean, shipwreck, I mean, just all kinds of things. Imprisonments, uh, getting literally beaten multiple times. But there's one that is amazing here in 2 Corinthians verse number seven, or chapter 12, verse number 7. And notice what Paul says, Unless I should be exalted above measure, in other words, just so I can remain humble, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice or three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Whatever the thorn was in his flesh, we have some ideas, doesn't necessarily matter. Verse 8 and 9 tell us that God chose not to take it away from Paul. So that means for the rest of his life, he was going to suffer in this case. Those four verses, or how many verses that is, that literally blows up the idea that when you get saved, all your problems go away. Most likely, Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, he was a pretty powerful dude prior to converting to Christianity. And so he would have had, you know, he probably would have had, I mean, certainly there would have been war and things like that, but, but he could have had a little bit of ease, if you allow me to say it that way. But instead, obviously, Christ comes to him on the Damascus Road, sees the bright light, and he converts to Christianity, and boom, I mean, you have the New Testament, praise God, of so much of the teaching that the Holy Spirit used him for. 
But listen, for the rest of his life, he actually suffered most likely more because he became a Christian, because of what he did. And so I don't know where we get off this idea that when we suffer, somehow, and I do this all the time, so I ain't preaching at you, preaching with you, somehow we have the audacity, I have the audacity to go to guns with God. Like, really? As if somehow I thought that it was going to all go away? Because, no, 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 if we're going to live godly, we're going to suffer persecution. Jesus said, or Paul said here, this is just to keep me humble. Because when everything's going great, I can be very, very prideful. I can amen with Paul on that, certainly for my life. And so Paul, of course, shows that he was going to he was going to choose, obviously, that grace. Also, let me give you another reason. I'm just going to hit these super quick. Strengthening. Strengthening. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness. Sometimes we just, sometimes we just need to be strengthened. Um, strengthened. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What? Long-suffering. Long-suffering. That's a, there's multiple meanings with that. But one of them can be that you can suffer long. You can endure long. So, strengthening. Let me give you another one here. Patience. Patience. Turn to James 1, please. James 1. James chapter 1. Romans 5, 3 says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Okay? But James 1, verse number 3, knowing this, verse 2, it talks about count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But pa- let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You remember Job? Did Job ask for that? Yes or no? Nope. Who allowed it? Yeah, chew on that one this week. But don't get mad at him. Just chew on it. I think it's trying to drive home the point that we're trying to make here. God allowed it. God can, you know, Satan comes from roaming to and fro from the earth. And God's like, hmm, have you considered my servant Job? God said, have you considered my servant Job? And he loses everything, right? I mean, he loses all of his animals, loses his kids, loses his health. The only thing he doesn't lose is his wife. All of his animals, everything. And it's amazing what it says in Job 2.10. It says, in all this did not Job sin with his lips. Wow. Wow. It's pretty brutal, huh? How easy is it to just sin with your lips all week long when things are going wrong? Come on, right? Now listen, Job's not our Savior. Job's not the person that, you know, oh, I want to I be like Job. It's amazing. If you, if you study Job 1 and you study Job 2, you find that before the trials came, he was a man of immense worship. And when he lost it all, he remained a man of worship. He was worshiping before it was all gone, and he was worshiping when it was all gone. Let me tell you, if you want to make it through trials, be a man or woman that makes much of Jesus. Worship, worship, worship. And then when trials come, Jesus is still good. And we know that he gets, he gets double what he had. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's what I want. I want to go through it so I can get double. No, it might not happen, okay? All right. Um, 
Let me give you the last one, and we got it. We just we got to wind up here. Let me give you the last one and turn to 2 Corinthians 1 for this one, please. Equipping. Equipping. Why does God allow it? I don't know. But hopefully some of these are maybe some, some reasons that we can maybe put some pegs on there. Equipping. Look at verse number 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. It's always a blessing to know someone that has been through what we've been through. Their timely word, their encouragement. And so sometimes can I be as bold to say, God will allow you flat out to suffer so you can help somebody else. God, why are you doing this? One of the reasons might be so you can help somebody that's going to go through the very same thing somewhere down the line. But what often happens is is we become very introspective and we begin to get all, right, we do this rather than living our lives for for others. So why do we suffer? We're going to talk a lot about this more on Wednesday. I encourage you to come. If you need more information, uh, where to come, please see me. You can see Pastor Mike. And uh, we're going to take uh, this and we're going to, we're going to talk about some situations, some, some, some stuff that uh, sometimes is difficult, difficult to deal with. And hopefully maybe we can um, you know, attach some of these principles that we learned here this morning uh, to help us make it um, another day worshiping. Let's worship today so that way when the trial comes tomorrow, we can worship then as well. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.